Welcome to the Lens Podcast, where we talk about current events, news, family, church, and life from a biblical worldview. We want to help people think about these things through the lens of the Bible. I'm your producer, David Wiseman, and here are your hosts, Brian and Brian. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Lens Podcast. My name is Brian Hansen, And I'm Brian Solomon. Thanks for joining us today. It's our practice to roll through three segments every podcast episode, and we've titled those segments, number one, A View of the World, number two, Your Place in the World, and three, What in the World. And so we are thinking about the world from the biblical worldview. And so, uh, Brian, what are we talking about today when we think about uh, A View of the World? Well, you know, uh, if you if you live in the world, uh, we are talking about how to maximize your influence in the world. And uh, uh, if you have a job, if you're in school, uh, if you're in athletics, whatever it might be, you want you want to have uh, your personhood. You you want to be a maximizer of influence. You know, we're all told to uh, be a leader. You know, mm-hmm. there's all these there's all these uh, seminars and conferences about yep. how to be a leader That's and right. everything. And the world really has a perspective on this, Brian. Yeah, it, it really does. I mean, it, even last, I guess maybe a week and a half ago, there was an article that was published in the Tennessean, and it was titled uh, "Top Ten Habits of Really Effective People." Uh, what do really effective, successful, uh, significant people do to make their lives successful? And uh, I thought maybe we'd just kind of roll through this list. And, and you know, uh, maybe a, a point of clarification or disclaimer, I don't think that there's anything necessarily evil or wrong with anything that's on this list. But, but thinking about uh, what the world defines as success and how to get there, I think there's some things that I, I think are worth noting. And so number one on the list is uh, a successful person will embrace delayed gratification. That's a good principle. Got no problem with that. Two, they don't follow the herd. They're, uh, they're leaders. They're, they're looking at, uh, at uh, what everybody else is doing. They're saying, yeah, I'm not going to be a, uh, a, a sheep. I'm not going to just follow the crowd. I'm going to be a trendsetter instead. Uh, number three, they keep learning. I don't disagree with that. Yeah. There's an old adage, uh, leaders are learners. Got no problem with that. They're early risers. Do you get up early, Brian? Uh, depends on which year you're talking about <laughs> in my life. But uh, yeah, I mean, for a long time, I was up at 530 every morning and uh, uh, got a lot accomplished before uh, before the, uh, the the cock crows, you know, uh-huh. and, and stuff. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, like, like you said, um, th- these are these are relevant things. They're, yeah. they're good. Yep. Number five, they take care of themselves. So they're mindful mm-hmm. of exercise and diet, um, making sure they get sleep every night. No problem with that. It's just good body stewardship, we would say. Uh, Six, they budget their time. Hey, no problem with that either. Seven, they set goals. Eight, they take action. Nine, they stay connected, thinking about building um, important collaborative relationships in all parts of their life. Keeping that working. Yep. Uh, Ten, they give. And so they're generous people. So, yeah, I'm thinking about this list. I don't see one bad thing on the list. Not bad. No, No. absolutely not. I will note that every one of those things are doing things. If you want to be successful, if you want to be effective, you have to do these things. There's a recipe for 
success. Yeah. So in other words, if you do these things, there should typically be some kind of outcome that right. is beneficial toward your level of maximizing your influence. That's whatever. right. Yeah. Hey, here's another uh, web link, a uh, little web article on the WikiHow page. And uh, in, in this little article is entitled, How to Know the Secret of Success. There's two categories of, of things. Category one is quitting wrong mentalities, meaning, hey, stop procrastinating. Yeah, if you want to move forward, that would be a good thing to do. Don't procrastinate. Get that's, after it. That's right. Two, uh, beat negativity. Uh, you got to put that uh, negative mindset on the shelf and be a positive pace setter. And that does beat people down. Oh, I can't do it. Uh, you know, I'm not good enough. Sure. Yeah, okay, I'll go along with that. Absolutely. Number three, uh, don't define yourself by other people's successes. I love that. Not a problem. Yep. Social media tends to elevate that principle, but... Uh, people look at uh, pictures of fancy vacations and right. happy faces, and man, my life just isn't happy like that. Therefore, I'm not successful. I'm not living a successful or a significant life. Yeah, and, and I think uh, you know, just to play off of that a little bit, you know, with uh, with the last couple of years, everything being on shutdown, is uh, I, I just saw a study come out that said because of all the time on social media, uh, girls, three and five girls now. Uh, uh, adolescents have contemplated suicide. It's crazy right now. I mean, so coming yeah. back to uh, to social media yeah. and, and how much time you spend yeah. on that, yeah. Hey, number four, embrace failure. Failure always illuminates the truth about the methods you used or the particular goals that you've pursued. Interpret your failure not as a badge of shame, but as a call for self-reflection. Mm -hmm. Okay, whatever. Yeah. Number five, focus on survival. Uh, the most important goal uh, when beginning a new business. In other words, there's going to be all these roadblocks <laughs> that come up. You just got to keep pounding them down. That's right. Get over them. So moving into the second category for the secrets of success, uh, a person's got to establish right habits. And so right habit number one is to pursue something meaningful to you. Well, yeah. And, uh, um, you know, people always ask me, well, you know, what's your hobby, Brian? Right. You have hobbies? Well, <laughs> <laughs> ain't nobody got time for I, hobbies. I, I, I have things that I enjoy, but something to call a hobby, something to pursue that's really meaningful to me. Other than the gospel, I, I would say, you know, I, I don't know uh, what I would, uh, what I would uh, say is something that is meaningful to me. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but the second thing in this category is to prioritize your tasks. Yeah. Not a bad life skill. I mean, we've right. got to prioritize things. Right. So again, not not anything evil or wrong. Uh, number three, you got to complete your projects, follow through. No problem there, right? Well, you know, and somebody told me this long ago. There are thousands of beginners. There are very few finishers. Right. And that's what this would mm -hmm. uh, you know complete the project. If you're going to start it. Go ahead and finish it. Right. Number four, introduce the unexpected. Uh, successful innovators are often lauded and idolized, but it, it can still be te uh, terrifying to pursue the unproven idea. So introduce the unexpected, almost like embracing the adventure of the unknown. Take well, a risk. And and you and I both know this from our years as youth pastors taking missions trips and everything. I mean, uh, it used to really fluster me, like, you know, the, the unexpected would come up and you're all nervous. Well, how are we going to, until I started to embrace it, like That's this right. is part of the journey. Let's have some fun with this. Right. So, yeah. Right. Number five, network like a human being. 
<laughs> so some people are just really good at this. They brand themselves actually uh, as networks, but uh, uh, y- you know, networking can easily feel uh, shallow and um, uh, advertised. Uh, but it really is a, an important part of our lives to mm-hmm. have, um, to, j- just to network, to, to have lots of friends and lots of different places and positions. Yeah. Uh, okay. So we're going to land the plane here. We think about the world and how the world views impact the way to be successful, the way to, uh, know and experience a significant life. These are some things that the experts of the world would say, do this. And you'll be effective. Yeah. All outward appearances. These right. are things to do. To do, do, do. Yep. Now. Did you just say do, do? You did, you <laughs> yeah, did, did. just say well, do, I do, 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 do. Right. So, right. Um, hey, let's let's take a peek at this and let's look at this through the, the lens of scripture. And that moves us into our second segment, which is your place in the world. So, Brian, as we were talking about, so all, all of these things have been external things. If you do this, you'll become this. But the Bible has an antithetical viewpoint. And it's always like, you know, naturally, if you think this way, which is the list, that, the two lists that we just walked through, then there should be some probable outcome. Right. But the Bible says, I might have a different take on this. And and the pendulum swings completely from, from one side to the other. And it says, well, what if we don't look at what we do, but it's let's look at who we are. Yeah. Some yeah. character. That's right. And and can can the inner man, what's taking place inside of us, have just as meaningful or more meaningful of a result as to the things that are in the outward appearance. Yeah, that's right. So um, maybe to couch this for our listeners, one of the things that we've been doing uh, here at the, at the state house in our ministry with uh, political leaders and uh, staffers and, and alike, we've been uh, adapting a Bible study that our boss, Ralph Drollinger wrote uh, entitled how to maximize your influence. You could find that Bible study in its full um, edition on the capmen.org website. And we'll provide a link to that uh, Bible study in the description box below uh, in the, in the um, episode notes. But uh, we've adapted that Bible study to kind of suit our own purposes here in Ohio. And uh, so we're, 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 we're using or utilizing this uh, a section of scripture, the, um, uh, Sermon on the Mount as a means of talking about just what you said, Brian, getting well, getting men and women to consider who they are in Christ first and allow the realities of our identity in Christ and then living out the, that identity, that reality of who we are, that in itself will allow us to have a, a meaningful impact or influence in this world. So. Yeah. So if, let's go to Matthew chapter five, where he uh, he's talking about the Sermon on the Mount, and yep. he starts to deal with the the inward person. But like you were saying, um, as we were driving over and talking this through, it really starts with Matthew chapter four, right? And uh, and where Jesus starts to deal with the the inward man, and. Um, uh, sets up uh, really what he starts to talk about now in Matthew five, which. Um, if, if we come down here, he, he starts to talk about the Beatitudes 
And so well, let me, oh, let me, let me set the table here just a little yeah, bit. So, go ahead. so just to connect the dots in terms of sequence. So, so at this point here in Matthew chapter five, Jesus has uh, revealed himself as a candidate for Messiah. He has uh, been baptized by John the Baptist. The dove descends from heaven. The voice from uh, heaven says, hey, behold, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And then it says that the text of Matthew, Matthew's gospel account, says that Jesus calls his disciples and then begins traveling um, the area, uh, performing miracles and preaching a message of repentance. And yes. the message was repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's preaching this message and then he's having all of these people press in against him. And some of them are there for a free lunch. Hey, this guy's doing miracles. I want to get in on this too. I want to get mine while I can. And then you have the religious leaders of the day. They're showing up too. And they're like, Hey, is this guy real or not? I don't know. And so here we are, Matthew chapter five, Jesus gives this, um, this ser- this famous sermon on the mountain. He's outside, get this, on a m- little mountain. So Sermon on the Mount, right? Yeah, yeah. Whoever named this, boy. I've, <clears throat> well, no. So I've been there. I've been right where this yeah. takes place, and it's on this. It's on this knoll. I, I guess we'd call it a knoll, but it's right on the Sea of Galilee, mm. and uh, and it's kind of in a an amphitheater type of shape. Mm. And uh, so that when Jesus is talking, probably down from the water's edge up, right. Uh, it's, um, you know, with the thousands of people that are there listening to this, uh, it's easy to understand how they could all hear him because it's That's naturally right. set up like we would typically build an That's amphitheater. Right. That's yeah. right. So Matthew 4, repent, kingdom of heaven is at hand. Matthew 5 to 7 in the Sermon on the Mount, this is Jesus saying, hey, for those who are going to be in the kingdom, this is what kingdom citizens look like. And then he begins this Sermon on the Mount with a laundry list of attitudes that we've called the Beatitudes, and they're more than just attitudes, they're pronouncements of an identity. And Brian, what do you think? Should we just kind of read through these uh, Beatitudes quickly? Yeah, let's do it. So if we start here in Matthew chapter 5 and look at verse 3, he says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So if you're gonna if you're gonna take notes and you really want to, uh, if you're really interested in what uh, the breakdown of these mean, really this means um, you break over personal sin. Uh, blessed are the poor in spirit. So in other words, it's not just walking around with your head hung low saying, whoa, am I, I'm not worth anything, you know. Uh, no, this is a person that understands who they are before a holy and reverent uh, uh, God, and they they recognize their place. They are sinners. That's right. And they are broken over that fact. And so blessed are the poor in spirit because God says, mm, I love that. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Yep. So a person who is repentant of their sin, yes. embraced Jesus by faith, will have had to all have already done that. Yes. That they've said, God, I've got nothing for you. I am bankrupt apart from you, and I'm broken over my personal sin. Yeah. This is who my and, and so as a kingdom citizen, yes, a follower of Jesus will do this. So if yeah. there's if there's unrepentant sin in in, in their life, that's going to have an, an effect on them. It it will change their attitude. They'll begin to look at sin in the way that God looks at sin. Mm -hmm. And their heart will break in the way that God's heart breaks when one of his children sins. Yeah, so for long-lasting influence and spiritual, um, true spirituality... In God's sight, the first the first thing that a person has to have is humility. That's right. Yeah, brokenness, a brokenness of spirit over 
the results of sin. Right. And so then the next beatitude is blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. And this is the idea of mourning over personal sin. So the first one is a is a breaking over personal sin. The second one is a is a mourning over personal sin. What do we mean by that, Brian? Well, a person who is poor in spirit realizes his personal bankruptcy. Uh, in other words, I bring absolutely nothing nothing to the table, which it goes against the, you know, natural man saying, well, I think that I'm probably good enough. My good will outweigh my, my bad. Or, well, I know that I'm better than that person. And I think they're probably going to heaven. So I'm pretty, you know, I'm pretty confident. Right. No, I bring nothing right. to the table. I'm bankrupt and I mourn over, um, you know, the, so, so the sense of mourning and grief, yeah. Um, in agony over our plight before a holy and righteous right. God. And so, Brian, that's an interesting uh, divergent point from where the world believes success and mm-hmm. significance is found. So the world says, hey, I am owed. Mm. I, I am. I'm amazing. Yeah. So therefore, I should be successful. <laughs> I deserve a raise. I yeah. deserve success. I deserve the best. I'm awesome. Yeah, and I deserve a break today. That's yeah, <laughs> that's right. So. That's right. But in 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 the kingdom of heaven, in God's economy, the way to have maximum influence for the kingdom is recognizing that you know what I don't deserve anything. Yeah, yeah, and and we've probably all recognized uh, this. Um, and people we know where people really try to feel a need to build themselves up so that you recognize how great they are. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of a turnoff compared to people who are like, no, I'm, I'm broken. I'm a broken person. And you kind of sit forward when you hear somebody admit that and mm-hmm. say, I can't wait to hear what you have to say next. That's right. Hey, the next one is blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. And uh, this is communicating the idea of uh, desiring God's approval above everything else. More yeah. than anything, I just want God to approve of the things that I'm I'm involved in and the things that I think about and the patterns of holiness in my life. Yeah. Uh, in other words, don't be self-strong. Uh, yeah. Desire God's approval over man's approval. And, you know, we talked about this with our legislators a couple weeks ago. And, uh, you know, uh, they... How are they in position? Because people have put them there, right? They've and been elected. They have been elected by people, and they want to keep those people happy. Constituents. Absolutely. And so when they go to bed at night, the, it really gives them great consternation if, if their voting base is upset with them or whatever, mm-hmm. and they lose sleep, and they get, uh, you know, they, they, they start to get in intestinal issues, mm-hmm. and they start popping tums. And, <laughs> and w- w- why is it? Is it because they're, they find their total uh, trust in the Lord? Are they pleasing the Lord? In other words, how big is your audience? Yeah. It's, is it an audience of one? Mm, that's good. Okay, next one is uh, is this beatitude found in verse 6 of Matthew 5. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. And then the next one, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account? So I know we, we kind of ran through those Beatitudes kind of quickly there, but when we think about maximizing influence in the world, in God's economy, from a kingdom citizen point of view, 
I'm looking at these Beatitudes here, Brian. What are we supposed to do? These aren't instructions. This, this, is, this list is totally different from the list of those articles that we just read. This list is a pronouncement of who we are in Christ. Yeah. So really what this is looking at is more of the character of who we are. Yeah. And so when we're told uh, to put on, you know, the, the, the fruit of the spirit in Galatians chapter five and things, these are things that uh, God says, you want to demonstrate who you are, look at the inner man. And if you're going through this list and you're like, I wrestle with that, I struggle with that. Well then, okay, praise the Lord uh, that he has given you insight. Uh, to see those things. And now I know that I can start working on it. The The question is, what if you read all these things and you're like, I fail at every single one, <laughs> which honestly I, I might be, you know, to, to, to some degree, we're all there. Right. But uh, we have to start working on these things. And well, I think, I think these, this list of beatitudes <clears throat> can be a clarifying thing for us. It's a, it's yeah. like a, um, I don't want to say a measuring stick, but just well, a, yeah. uh, but but kind of, and say, hey, look, yeah. it, it, is this true of me? Do I do I break over my personal sin? Uh, do I mourn over sin? Am, am I concerned about God's approval? Am am I seeking after God's ways? Do I hunger and thirst for righteousness? Am I am I a peacemaker in the relationships in the situations that I find myself? If I'm not any of those things, that could be a revealing thing for me that says, hey, you maybe. You've not embraced Jesus by faith, and therefore the identity that you're living out is anchored in your depraved, sinful nature. Right. Whereas a kingdom citizen, one who's embraced, embraced Jesus by faith, will live out their their identity, not perfectly, you know, because right. we... Uh, until Jesus comes back, we're still struggling with with sin. But God's given us a new nature to where I desire all of these things. And so, hey, listen, if if I'm not concerned with God's approval, that reveals a significant area spiritual problem in my life. I, I think that nails it right there, Brian. Where a, a person can look at this list and say. Yeah, I don't care about that. I'm going to do it my own way. Right. But a person that says, okay, I may falter, I may fail, I may not be the person that I want to be, and that bugs me. Mm. Well, that person's in a really good position. Mm. But it's the person that says, no, forget it. I you know, I don't care. I'm going to do it my own way. That person is very uh, on a very dangerous slope, a very, on a very dangerous path path. Yeah. And, uh, and therefore they need to be reflective of where they stand before an almighty and righteous God. And so maybe I think where, where we would land the plane with this idea is that in, in, uh, in God's viewpoint of how to maximize one's influence in this broken world, the teachings of Jesus is indeed paradoxical. It seems to be topsy turvy. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 it's different than, than the lists that we read before. Cause it's all, Hey, you do this, you pull yourself up by your bootstraps, you elevate yourself, you make yourself look, look strong and Hey, just get to the gym and be mindful of what you put in your body. Make sure you get enough sleep. And Hey, if you do it, just don't be a negative person and, and uh, budget your, your money. Well, you can do all of those things and still miss the mark of what God says is the way to have a maximum impact for the kingdom of heaven. And, and let, maybe let's summarize it by saying this, too. So we think that if we are maximizing our influence, like the, the, the crowds are going to f- follow us, everybody's going to be happy with us, right? Um, uh, people are going to be like, oh, I wish I were like Brian, or I wish I were like Mike, you know? 
or David. But, or David. Yeah. yeah. The producer David here. <laughs> and, um, uh, but he does say in verse 10, blessed are those who are persecuted because yeah. of righteousness for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Right. Uh, he, he says in verse 11, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against yeah. you because of me. You know what? We can say this. An influencer doesn't just have to be bringing the throngs of people to them saying, oh, I wish I could be like you. It may just be standing your ground and people taking notice. Mm. And I will say this. I think scriptures say this. We're on strong ground when we say this. If you are doing and living a way that is pleasing to God, um, you're going to be persecuted. You should expect it. Uh, when you are living a way that is pleasing to God, they're going to you, you. You are going to be falsely accused. Expect it, and then when it comes, it's perhaps a little easier to process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, hey, uh, it's time to go into our final segment entitled "What in the World." So, uh, so Brian, you and I have uh, seen a movie here recently, not together. Yeah. Uh, I I went and saw this movie, I think about a week and a half ago, and you saw this movie... Last night with yeah. my wife, yeah. And so the movie we're talking about is The Jesus Revolution. It seems like uh, uh, this movie has blown uh, people's expectations out of the water. Uh, it's making some money. Yeah. People I think it was only up. supposed to be out for like a weekend or something like that. And now right. it's, yeah, it's continued on. That's right. So give me your impressions of the movie. Well, I, so just to be honest with you, anytime that I hear that there's a Christian movie that's out, I, I don't get real excited about <laughs> it because it's always bad actors or a bad plot or the same plot or whatever. I got to tell you, Brian, I was thoroughly impressed with the, with, with this movie and more than impressed. And I'm, I'm one that's hard to be moved. But I was moved. Yeah, I, listen, my my thoughts exactly. I, I thought that the acting was great. Kelsey Grammer plays the mm. the role of Pastor Chuck Smith, the California pastor, yeah. who's uh, pastoring this floundering church who seems to be stuck in its mud, in the mud. Yeah, and then um, uh, and then it has a, a random encounter, or at least his daughter has a random encounter <laughs> with this this hippie who's walking down the road wearing a Jesus cape. Yeah. And brings this hippie into uh, the house to meet her dad. And all of a sudden, that begins. uh, He says, I told you to bring a hippie to the house, but I did not mean it. (laughs) I thought that was a good line. But, you know, it was this is based on a true story. That's right. It really happened. And um, and I thought that uh, the, the historic accuracy uh, was really, really played out well. Yeah. And and. Without giving you know everything away of the movie, of, of course it's historic. You can you can go and look it up. But if you're not familiar with it, I don't want to I don't want to give it away. But um, you know the things that they were looking for when, when I was growing up, you know the hippies were bad. Like they would <laughs> they were evil. You know you didn't. I was a child of the '80s, brother. Oh yeah. And so the hippies were kind of like a long <laughs> gone thing. Well, but we lived pretty close to Yellow Springs. Well, so. you know, my dad was a pastor, and I remember riding on the back of a of the church bus when we were picking kids up, and and uh, you know it was the peace sign, right? Everybody was given the peace <laughs> sign, and I remember waving to somebody out of the bus window, you know, giving them the peace sign, and my dad's like, Brian, don't ever do that again, <laughs> you know, looking at me out of the back of the uh, the, the mirror, you know, of the bus. But um, no, you, you know, I. Those young people, they were looking for something, and this is what really Im- impressed my mind. I think they had they had all the right questions, 
They wanted truth. Mm-hmm. What is reality? They were searching for something to feel, fill the void. Mm-hmm. And so they were turning to drugs, LSD. They thought that that was the, they, they, they thought that that was the answer. And I, as I was sitting there watching it, I was thinking of the parallels that are today and where mm-hmm. the church is on many of these things. Uh, that day they were turning to drugs. Today, there is a huge movement towards sexuality, you know, mm-hmm. gender, uh, things. People are searching for the truth, but it's the same questions mm-hmm. that they're asking today that they were asking then. And, uh, I haven't figured all this out yet, but in my mind, I'm like, how can we reach this generation who are asking the same questions, seeking for the same thing? And they're mutilating their bodies, perhaps, but they're not finding the result at the end of the tunnel. And how can we reach these uh, young people, these no, this generation, yeah, uh, who are who are searching for truth? Yeah. So I'd recommend, hey, go see the movie. I think it's really good. I think it evokes some questions. Obviously, uh, the movie depicts the revival of sorts that was taking place in California, the, yeah. the Jesus People movement. And you have all these hippies getting saved. It's kind of crazy yeah. time, but. But reflecting on the the long-standing change that the gospel produced in the lives of the people that were saved during that time, it's pretty remarkable. Yeah. So, so thinking about hey, uh, is did revival take place then? Yeah, I think so. Is revival needed today? Yeah, I think so. What kind of effects or fruit does r- real revival produce? People who are captured by the gospel of Jesus Christ, and then they reorder the affairs of their life in accordance with God's word, and then they make an impact on the world around them. And maybe, maybe we just land the plane with this hook. <clears throat> there's a lot of there's a lot of talk about revival today mm-hmm. and what's going on in different places, like Asbury, like a Cedarville, like some different places. Um, what what is revival? What does it really look like? What does it consist of? And what mm-hmm. are the uh, what are the outcomes of it? Yep. Maybe that's the hook for uh, another segment in uh, in this podcast called the Lens. Yeah. And uh, today we've been looking at how to maximize your influence and the uh, antithetical view that the that scripture brings as compared to what the world says how to maximize your influence. I hope that this has been a beneficial uh, topic for you and take it to, take it to heart and give us some feedback. Uh, we'd love to hear from you if it's good. So <laughs> I'm just teasing. Hey, Brian, good to, good to be with you today. Likewise. And we will catch you on the next time on The Lens. Lens.